0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan rajeem Bismillah In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the other merciful Assalamu Alaikum Wa Rahmatullah Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all All our listeners, welcome to this morning's breakfast show You are joined, uh, you are tuned in on Wednesday the 2nd of August It is 6 past 7 and you are with here With myself, Shamail Ahmed and my colleague, who, if you were with us last week, at this very same time, you would recognize his voice. His name is <laughs> Mabrul Fado. He is with me again, once again. Um, he is a student of Jamia ahmedia uh, UK, UK Institute of Modern Languages and Theology. He's going into his final year now, just enjoying his summer holidays, um, you know, getting ready from... Uh, Getting done from his, uh, you know, annual convention duties And just, you've got, uh, got a couple months left uh, Mabru, how are you today? I'm good, Allah Thank you for having me on today And uh, how's your morning been so far?
1: It's been good It's been a good, uh, nice early morning Back in the
0: studios for another show That's good, that's good, that's good We have a very interesting uh, lineup for you today For our two subjects The first subject which we'll be speaking about Is the birth of UK's first baby Consisting of three people's DNA. And in the second segment, we'll be speaking about the importance of sleep, you know, and going into the research and the Islamic perspective about both of these topics. But before we do that, we will be diving into a bit of, you know, the current affairs and talking a bit about, you know, what's going on in the world. But and and to kickstart that, Mabroor, what is the weather like today? So quite unsettled today
1: as uh, heavy and thundery showers spread east. Uh, turning drier in the north and west throughout the day, with just a few showers lingering. Breezy and windy in the south with coastal gales. Uh, but tonight, much of the UK will have variable cloud cover with clear spells developing at times, but also a few showers. Staying cloudy in the far north of Scotland throughout.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Typical I feel like British weather. Uh, yeah, we're getting back to that. I don't, I don't know about you, <laughs> my bro, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure if I enjoyed. The heat this year As much as I would Have wanted to um, <laughs> at all. the The summer just came And it's gone by Yeah uh, just been busy And you know Now getting August has started You know the funny uh, thing is July was meant to be The hottest month
1: Yeah yeah Of this but, year but <sighs> What can, gonna, what can we do? we do? I mean, the weather—the weather, the weather is always
0: unpredictable, especially here in the UK. But yeah. you know what? I'm—I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our British heritage, and <laughs> you know, unpredictable weather comes <laughs> along with that. We can't—we can't do anything about that. We just got to accept it. Yeah. But it is what it is. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so, what's going on in the world these days? We have the Women's World Cup, and uh, England uh, yesterday beat. China six-one victory, very very comprehensive victory. Um, The Lionesses swept aside China with slick, unpredictable, and entertaining football, and one of the best performances in the tournament so far. It was a display that sent a statement to England's rivals in Australia. The Europeans champions mean business and have finally shown their quality. I mean, Rhys James's sister as well. Lauren James, uh, yeah, yeah. Lauren James, a lot of. Um getting a know, trick. Uh, yeah, brace. a lot of hype around her and saying that you know, coming out of the shadow of her brother and you know, very good. Good on her. Good on her. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what have you been? What have you been doing, my what, uh, what sort of news has been you know catching your eye or catching your interest in these past couple of days? Anything of your interest?
1: I think uh, we've been busy with our annual convention, as mentioned of course, of last course, of course. week. Of course. So uh I think maybe seeing how the media has covered our uh, the annual convention, BBC News also uh, giving a shout out to the annual convention. Yeah. Uh, many journalists. So that's what I've been seeing a lot on uh, throughout my Twitter
0: and uh, Instagram as well. It's good Actually, that you uh, mentioned you mentioned Twitter there. I remember last week, um just re- last week when we were on the show, we just recently. Uh Twitter had changed You know It's logo to X And now um The logo Official. The app icon Has officially <laughs> changed Elon Musk Has changed the sign I've literally got A notification right now From X ah, From <laughs> X And it doesn't say Twitter anymore It says X <laughs> it, 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 it says a black square <laughs> With a black app icon With yeah. a white X on it And it's just It's just uh, I'm just unfamiliar with it And it just yeah. doesn't doesn't fit my day. I guess,
1: as long as he doesn't change any world concepts about Twitter, then... Yeah, but Elon Musk, You missed the old logo, that.
0: but... We can't say that, we can't say that. Yeah, about Elon Musk, <laughs> he's <that> unpredictable. <laughs> you it's never unpredictable. know, yeah. Um, we've gone to a bit of uh, Donald Trump... Uh, the ex-president charged with bids to overturn 2020 elections. So the former U.S. President Donald Trump has been charged with plotting to overturn his 2020 election defeat. He is accused of four-year counts, including conspiracy to defraud the U.S., tampering with a witness and conspiracy against the rights of citizens. The indictment indictment uh, caps an inquiry into events uh, surrounding the six january two- 2021 riot at the u.s capitol mr trump who's 77 now uh, who is again running for president denies wrongdoing on social media he called the case ridiculous quote unquote the republican uh, politician has already been charged with uh, in two other cases with mishandling classified files and falsifying business records to cover up a hush money payment to a adult film star i mean Running for president, uh, presidency again, uh, Donald Trump—he's in the news quite a lot as well. Mm. I mean, it doesn't really—it doesn't really help his cause, and I—I um, I don't know with his sort of personality. Do you think he really—you know—does this affect him, or do you think it doesn't matter? He's just going to carry on what he's doing. I mean, that's—that's that's just who he is. I think he'll still go for it. Yeah. I
1: mean, he seems really committed, but um, you know, it's funny because. Uh, I think it was during Trump's time when they pulled their soldiers out of uh, Iraq. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, I've 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 spoken to a lot of people, especially during uh, Trump's campaign uh, presidency, and uh, funnily enough, some people would also say to me that Trump is really misjudged character in terms of uh, you know he, he does he's a very uh, you could say he's not a uh, pro uh, war. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like to fight as much He'd always yeah. try and sort some some something out without fighting Or sending yeah. in soldiers But um, let's see, I mean Doesn't it seem like uh, the American public really appreciate Trump You've got many other candidates as well Maybe, maybe so,
0: But we, we kind of uh, thought that when he was running for president yeah. He still became the president But we'll see, we'll see in the future See what the future holds um, for us
1: Uh, Someone who's trained by Trump? Uh, I forgot his name, the candidate. Uh, Let me search his name up. But I remember having seen them have a debate and uh, Trump was just, you know, he's saying to him, like, mate, I was the one who trained you. I was the one who helped you get this far.
0: Classic, classic, classic. (laughs) Anyways, um, we'll be taking a very short break. After the break, we'll be speaking about the two segments which I would mentioned to you. The birth of the UK's first baby consisting of three people's DNA. And the importance of sleep, our number is always zero to zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight if you want to call if you want to be included and have your voice heard, talk about the uh, the subjects which we are um, speaking about, and also you can uh, get to us at twitter or x if you like to call it at voice of islam u k we'll be taking a short break stay
2: right there'm <laughs> In Allah
1: It is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Shuheeb from his father, from his grandfather who reported, the Holy Prophet stated, Indeed, Allah loves to see the results of his favours upon his servant.
2: Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah upon whom be peace the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam I look always with wonder at this Arab Prophet whose name is Muhammad Thousands of blessings and peace be upon him How exalted his status was One cannot perceive the ultimate limit of his station And it is not within the scope of man to fully comprehend the depth and penetration of his ennobling qualities Alas! Due recognition has not been paid to his lofty rank. That unity which had disappeared from the world was restored by this same valiant champion. He loved God most intensely. So also his soul was being consumed in deep sympathy for mankind. That is why God, who was fully aware of the hidden excellences of his heart, exalted him above all the prophets and all the people of the past and the future and fulfilled his heart's desires in the span of his lifetime. Life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treatment of Neighbors Prophet
3: Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always treated his neighbors with extreme kindness and consideration. He used to say that the angel Gabriel had emphasized consideration towards one's neighbors so often that he sometimes began to think that a neighbor would perhaps be included among the prescribed heirs. Abu zar peace be upon him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to him, Abu Dar, while broth is being cooked for your family, add a little more water to it so that your neighbor might also share in it. This does not mean that the neighbor should not be invited to share in other things, but as the Arabs were mostly a migratory people and their favorite dish was broth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, referred to this dish as a typical one and taught that one should not think so much of the taste of the food as of the obligation to share it with one's neighbor. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, On one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, exclaimed, I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. The companions inquired, Who is not a believer, O Messenger of Allah? And he replied, He whose neighbor is not secure against injury and ill treatment at his hands. On one occasion, when he was addressing women, he said, If anybody finds only the foot of a goat to cook, that person should share it with his or her neighbor. He asked people not to object to their neighbors driving pegs into their walls, or putting them to any other use which occasioned no injury. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, The Prophet said, He who believes in God and in the day of judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his neighbour. He who believes in God and in the day of judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his guest. And he who believes in God and in the day of judgment should utter
4: only words of virtue or should keep quiet. Muslim A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa
0: rahmatullah Peace be upon you and welcome back to The Breakfast Show You are joined by myself Shamail and my colleague Marbrouh Farukh It is uh, 18 past 7 on the 2nd of August and we will be now moving on to our first segment but before we do that let me remind you once again that the phone number to call if you want to get involved, if you want to have a discussion with us, if you want to share your information, share your thoughts is always zero zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and you can also tweet or X us at VoiceOfIslamUK. So the first topic which we'll be discussing today on the breakfast show is birth of uh, UK's first baby consisting of three people's DNA. I mean when I first read this I was uh, I was mind boggled I was like what is going on like how how has this happened? A baby has been born using three people's DNA for the first time in the UK and the fertility regulator has confirmed most of the DNA comes from their two parents and around 0.01% from 0.1. a third 0.1% sorry from a third donor woman The pioneering technique is an attempt to prevent children being born from devastating mitochondrial diseases. Fewer than five such babies have been born, but no further details have yet been released.
1: So what, um, I mean, we must all be wondering what is a mitochondrial disease? Uh, Here are a few examples. So mitochondrial diseases are incurable and can be fatal within days or even hours of birth. Some families have lost multiple children and this technique is seen as the only option for them to have a healthy child of their own. Mitochondria are the tiny compartments inside nearly every cell of the body that convert food into usable energy. Defective mitochondria fail to fuel the body and lead to brain damage, muscle wasting heart failure and blindness they are passed down only by the mother so mitochondrial donation treatment is a modified form of IVF that uses mitochondria from a healthy donor egg Uh, symptoms of mitochondrial diseases uh, vary based on the type of location of the affected cell they can range from mild to severe and could include poor growth muscle weakness muscle pain or a low muscle tone, vision, and or hearing loss. And may include uh, development delays or issues with cognitive development, diarrhea, constipation, unexplained vomiting, acid reflux, or swallowing difficulties as well. Uh, Some more are seizures, migraines, respiratory problems, and fainting. So, Shamail, we've discussed what mitochondria is and um, the first birth of uh, a child with 3D and what does what does the holy quran say about uh, th- something about this
0: so when when thinking about this topic uh, the t- two verses actually come to mind the first verse is from chapter 30 uh, verse 30 where allah the almighty says so set thy face to the service of religion as one devoted to god and follow the nature made by allah the nature in which He has created mankind, there is no altering the creation of Allah. There is no altering the creation of Allah. That is the right religion. But most men know not. And another verse which uh, I would like to state before we kind of dive more into the Islamic perspective is from chapter 4, verse 120, where Allah the Almighty says, And assuredly I will incite them and they will effect a change in the creation of Allah. And he who takes Satan as a friend besides Allah. Has certainly suffered a manifest loss, and in regards to this in regards to these verses um the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has Tahir ahmed may Allah have mercy on his soul. He has actually made uh, done a short very short commentary explaining the actual meaning of this verse, and then we will relate it back to the topic at hand he says it is wrong however to infer that this verse condemns all possible changes of genetic engineering any branch of science which is pressed into the service of his creation and employed to protect rather than change it is certainly not discouraged if for instance genetic engineering is employed to correct faults in genetic codes caused by accidents this can in no way be dubbed as interference with the divine scheme of things again if damage is gene- uh, if damage to genetic codes by disease or imprudent medication is attempted to be corrected through genetic engineering, this is certainly not what is condemned in the above verse. So, when we look at the the Quranic verse, the Quranic verses which uh, I, I just uh, mentioned before you, we may think that you know Islam does not allow any sort of change or any interference with the creation or with nature or you know the whole. The, the world of nature and the law of nature we can't interfere with it at all however this the fourth caliph has very clearly and very you know b- beautifully put it mm. saying that if if something is for the benefit of uh, of humankind and if something is for helping someone for you know to to allow a healthier lifestyle to you know take care of people that may be going on like maybe prone to fatal diseases mm. and other things of that sort then it is definitely not discouraged by Islam at all it is actually encouraged to you know, science and Islam do not go in separate directions in Islam we believe that science goes along with religion, goes along with faith and is not two separate entities so therefore if if there's something in science which helps benefit humankind and helps benefit the people and helps benefit those people who may be prone to you know, fatal diseases or life-threatening or just life-changing diseases then in no way does Islam discourage the use of such, you know, um, such operations and such, uh, such things in the medical world, in the, med- in the world of science. So what about the history of the technique or what's, what's going on with that side of things, or the advantages and disadvantages of what's going on? Um, there, are, there are two techniques for performing
1: uh, mitochondrial donation. Uh, One which actually takes place after the mother's egg has been fertilized by the father's sperm and the other uh, takes place before fertilization. However, mitochondria have their own genetic information or DNA which means that technically the resulting children inherit DNA from their parents and a smidge from the donor as well. This is a permanent change that would be passed down through the generations. And uh, this donor, donor DNA is only relevant for making effective mitochondria, does not affect other traits such as appearance and does not constitute as a third parent. Uh, the technique was pioneered in Newcastle and laws were introduced to allow the creation of such babies in the UK back in 2015. However, the UK did not immediately press ahead and the first baby born through this technique was to a Jordanian family having treatment in the U.S. in 2016. The Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority is saying that less than five babies have been born as of 20th of April, 2023. Uh, It is not giving precise numbers to prevent the families being identified, and these limited details have emerged after a freedom of information request by The Guardian newspaper. And Sarah Norcross, the director of the Progress Educational Trust, has actually said that news that a small number of babies with donated mitochondria have been born in the UK is the next step in what will probably remain a slow and cautious process of assessing and refining mitochondria donation. So there has been no word from the teams in Newcastle, so it is still uncertain whether this technique was successful and Professor Robin Lovell-Badge from the Francis Crick Research Institute has said that it will be interesting to know how well the mitochondrial replacement therapy technique worked at a practice level, whether the babies are free of mitochondrial diseases and whether there is any risk of them developing problems later in life. There is technically a risk of reversion where any defective mitochondria that are carried over could gain in number and still result in disease. It had once been estimated that up to 150 such babies could eventually be born each year in the UK. Now the question arises, does Islam permit IVF in vitro fertilization and genetic modification procedures? I know you mentioned the quote of uh, the fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, if you can expand a bit more Shamil.
0: yes yeah, so th- th- there's not really an objection from the Islamic point of view against you know ivf as long as you know the husband's uh, sperm is being conveyed to his wife's uh, uterus uh, Islam has ordained two fundamental principles for the process of human reproduction the purity of the human race and sharing of responsibility between the husband and a wife as long as you know these two fundamental principles are not Violated, Then Islam has no objection against such procedures And genetic modification procedures are permitted in Islam If they are used to correct damages to the genetic code um, Caused by accidents or diseases maybe In order to, you know, relieve human suffering And uh, any branch of science which is pressed into the service of crea- of, uh, of its creation And employed to protect rather than change it Is certainly not discouraged I mean, Mabroor, it is... Um, if you're thinking about this topic I think about the Islamic perspective a lot of people think that you know you shouldn't all you shouldn't try to change anything you shouldn't try to you know try to mingle with the way things are but yeah how, how like uh, Islam has just answered this very beautifully can you just like elaborate uh, a little bit more on that about how Islam rather than being so extreme and not allowing anything rather than you know uses the middle way a middle path yeah Uh, I I think
1: Islam has always uh, uh, um, Advocated for a middle path Even the Holy Prophet May the peace and blessings be upon him Has also advocated for a middle path One example that comes to my mind Is that The Islam instructs that You know, you shouldn't completely Abandon food and drink And uh, neither should you uh, Have excessive Food and drink as well but in fact you should have uh, The Holy Prophet May the peace and blessings Of Allah him Has stated that You should keep a third For your food uh, A third uh, Of space In your Stomach For water yep. And a third For air So oxygen mm-hmm. So you know Uh not having too much, not having too less, just enough for you to survive. I mean, that's, that's
0: just an example of the way, way Islam, you know, t- yeah. t- tells you to go to a middle way and not just, you know, being extreme and saying, no, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, or you have to do this, you have to do. It's, yeah. not, it's not like that. Islam is not like that. Islam, science, go hand in hand. Um, the middle path, what is best for humankind to progress. And science does help along with that. Um, We will be speaking to Dr. Hippocrates Cyrus, uh, who is a consultant in reproductive medicine and a director of King's Fertility, an honorary science clinical lecturer at King's College London and an honorary consultant at King's College Hospital. He is the HFEA person responsible for the unit and as such oversees the centre's clinical research, educational and regulatory uh, activities, an active member of numerous medical organizations dr cyrus is a member of the executive committee of the british fertility society dr cyrus welcome to the breakfast show i hope you are having a lovely morning and it is a pleasure to have you on the show
5: Thank you very much, uh, and good morning to you all. Uh, yes, it's a, a great pleasure to be with you today.
0: Ah, thank you so much. I hope, I hope I pronounced your name correctly as well. Um, we will be going straight into the questions. First, can you just introduce yourself a bit for the benefit of our listeners and what your work exactly entails?
5: Absolutely. I mean, you made a wonderful introduction, so there's very little else to add, but indeed, uh, I'm a consultant for productive medicine and a director of for Fertility, which what that effectively means that on a daily basis here at King's Fertility what we do is see and three patients who are having difficulty with falling pregnant and treatments can range from simple things like uh, lifestyle advice and modifications all the way to the advanced IVF methods and genetic testing that of course we're talking about today.
0: Okay that sounds very very, very interesting I mean uh, just you know even the jargon that you're using is a bit you know like you could tell that you know serious business right here and um just, you know, what are some of the leading causes of infertility in the UK? You know, going to, back to the topic at hand, um, talking about mitochondrial disease and, you know, the, the whole D, D, DNA, like three DNAs in the first born child. Like, what are the leading causes of infertility?
5: Yes, I mean, uh, the first thing to say is that fertility problems are very common and they affect one in six couples trying to conceive worldwide.
0: Yeah.
5: Um, infertility can have various causes and it affects both men and women. In fact, in about a quarter of couples that we see at King's Fertility, the primary cause of infertility is mainly from the female side. In another quarter, the primary cause of infertility is mainly from the male side. And for a further quarter, it is a mixture of both male and female problems. And for the remainder, many times we do not have a clear reason. Um, Mm. So some of the common causes of infertility for the women uh, include ovulation disorders, which effectively means irregular or absent periods, including conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, blocked or damaged uh, fallopian tubes, so the egg and sperm can't meet, structural abnormalities with the uh, womb, such as fibroids and adenomyosis, and other conditions such as endometriosis. Uh, from the male side, the common causes include disorders with sperm uh, production, such as low sperm count uh, or spor- uh, poor sperm movement or abnormal sperm morphology. Uh, But there are also quite a few causes that can affect both men and women, and these can include certain medical conditions such as diabetes and thyroid disease, um, sexual dysfunction, environmental factors such as exposure to certain chemicals, radiation and toxins, of course lifestyle factors such as poor diet, excessive uh, smoking and drug use, and in some cases, uh, as we're talking about, genetic abnormalities that can lead to infertility or actually increase the risk of recurring pregnancy loss. However, probably the most important is increasing age, and this affects not only women, as for women's fertility gradually decreases, particularly after the age of thirty-five. But similarly, advanced paternal age can also impact male fertility as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's 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 very interesting. There's there's so many different factors which can, um, you know, that are in our control and also out of our control, which can uh, affect the, the level of fertility. And it's very very interesting to see that. Uh, personally what what is your viewpoint on you know this specific technique you know of the the 3DNA's to combat mitochondrial disease
5: yes i mean first of all defective mitochondria are passed down only by the mother so mitochondrial uh, donation treatment is a modified effectively form of IVF that uses mitochondria from healthy donor eggs and mitochondria the powerhouses of the cells responsible for producing the energy for for a body effectively. And uh, there are two techniques for performing uh, this uh, mitochondrial replacement therapy, as it's called. One takes place after the woman's eggs has been fertilized by the sperm, uh, which is known as pronuclear transfer, and the other takes place before fertilization, which is known as spindle transfer. This effectively replaces the faulty mitochondria in the mother's egg with healthy mitochondria from the donor egg, thus preventing the inheritance of mitochondrial diseases now if we look a little bit more detail eh, the nucleus so the, where all the genetic material from the uh, two sides the male and the female uh, reside contains 99.9 percent of all the genetic material and that's pretty much makes us who we are our characteristics uh, and everything that uh, yeah. about us however the mitochondria these little powerhouses also contain a very very tiny amount of genetic material which is 0.1 percent of the total so indeed, technically, the resultant child will have DNA, so genetic material from three people. However, it should be stressed here that this donor genetic material is only relevant for making these effective mitochondria and does not affect any of the other traits that we have, such as appearance, for example. Yeah. Therefore, it does not constitute a third parent in itself. If one, for example, compares this to either an egg or sperm donation, the resultant child will have fifty percent of the genetic material inherited from uh, the donor so i appreciate that the acceptability of what is called three-person IVF depends on the ethical stance of individuals and the decision to use three-person ivs would also depend on individual circumstances including the specific mitochondrial disease risk and the availability of alternative options such as egg donation or pre-implantation genetic testing however mitochondrial diseases or incurable can lead to significant disability and can be fatal and some families have lost multiple children so this technique can for many be the only option for them to have a healthy child with their own genetic material as such and provided that there are the appropriate checks and balances i personally fully support this technique as another option within the general medical arsenal that we have to use to combat mitochondrial diseases
0: mhm yeah so 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 just just to clarify um just for you know myself in the studio and uh, the 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 benefit of our listeners this 0.1% of dna of you know the whole 100% it is only targeting that specific part to combat mitochondrial disease
5: indeed so effectively it doesn't alter at all the dna from the two parents let's the mm. say intended parents And the mitochondria which little little organs within each of our cells and they produce energy and they have a very small amount of material used just for that particular organ just to use the energy that doesn't express itself in any other way so all they do is convert food to energy that's the only thing that effectively that material is used for nothing else
1: so uh, would you would you recommend um, uh, this sort of treatment to anyone well, I don't
5: necessarily think that this treatment is uh, for anyone because, of course, it has to fit in with, uh, first of all, how successful it's going to be, uh, also yeah. how acceptable it is to them, uh, the same way that, for example, egg donation is not for everyone or sperm mm. donation is not for everyone or IVF is not for everyone.
1: Yeah.
5: Same way this is not for everyone, but it is a technique for some, and that's the point of it, it's not for everyone to do it. It's for whoever is appropriate and feels comfortable with it as well and, of course, yeah. needs it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, how, how common are these mitochondrial diseases?
5: So mitochondrial diseases are a group of genetic disorders that affect the mitochondria, these powerhouses of our cells, uh, you know, responsible for the energy production. Now the exact prevalence of mitochondrial diseases is challenging to determine because they often go undiagnosed or actually misdiagnosed due to the very diverse uh, clinical presentation and the complexity of the genetic causes. However, it is generally estimated that mitochondrial diseases affect approximately one in 5,000 to one in 10,000 individuals in the general population. And of course, they they can cluster around families. So if you do have somebody in your family that has this disease, then more likely people around, um, because they're genetically uh, uh, inherited, are to have this disease. And of course, it can manifest in various ways. And can affect different organ systems in the body. And symptoms can range from being mild to severe and include muscle weakness, neurological problems, vision problems, hearing impairment, uh, developmental delays and, and many, many more. And of course they can be fatal as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and um how likely is it for this technique to be used in the future and its success rate? I know you mentioned that it's not for everyone, but What do you think about uh, this sort of method in the future? Do you think this will become Mm -hmm. like a very common uh, sort of go-to technique for those who may be struggling? Or what's your view? So
5: if we group together, you know, this mitochondrial replacement therapy, so what we colloquially now refer to as three-person IVF, this is already being used in some countries to help prevent the transmission of mitochondrial diseases from mother to child. However... Its implementation is subject to strict regulations and ethical considerations. So the success rate of free personal IVF in preventing mitochondrial disease transmission has been promising, and it has been shown that the technique can lead to the birth of healthy babies with a low risk of inheriting this mitochondrial disorder. However, it's important to note that the procedure is relatively new, and of course, further long-term data on the health and development of children born through this method are needed to assess its safety and efficacy fully. So there's technically a risk of what we call reversions, where any defective mitochondria that were carried over uh, could gain in number and still result in disease. And in addition to the success rate of the three-person IVF in preventing the actual mitochondrial disease transmission, as I mentioned before, you have to superimpose on this the actual individual success rate of IVF itself working in the first place. And this is based on multiple factors such as age of the woman, at the time of her treatment, the ovarian reserve, etc. So, regarding the likelihood of its future use, the acceptability and adoption of three-person IVF depend on the regulatory and ethical stance of individual countries and regions. Although countries like the United Kingdom have authorized its limited use for certain cases, some other countries may never uh, uh, authorize it because they have different regulations, or may not, so they might not permit it at all. So. Although it had once been estimated that up to 150 such babies could eventually be born each year in the UK, even the general paucity of egg donors in general in the UK, and the rapidly also evolving nature of medical technologies such as, for example, genome editing, it is possible that other developments in the future may limit its potential use or the need for a three-person IVF. Uh, but for the time being, apart from either implantation during testing or egg donation as we mentioned this is the only other way that women carrying mitochondrial disease have available in order for them to be able to achieve a healthy pregnancy using mm-hmm. their own genetic material
0: yep yep and with such scientific, uh, scientific breakthroughs and you know such procedures how long is the testing period for it to be cleared as something which is which people will feel comfortable to go to how long does it will it take uh, as an estimate to you know, make this something which is common or something which people are comfortable with and able to go to, and if they want this procedure, they can even ask for it.
5: Well, this obviously is a very um, uh, novel technique, and just to put into context, IVF yeah. in itself, the first, uh, the first child born for IVF is only this year 45 years old, so it, it, it's all very, very new, even for IVF, which we almost take for granted nowadays. So the first baby was born in the UK this year, uh around the world the first one was just a couple a few years ago so these ch- children are still very very young um and i think this is not something that is uh, common we said that mitochondrial diseases are still about one in five thousand to one in ten thousand so whoever has potentially this disease will have been under specialist care yeah. and will have specialist advice not something that uh yeah. you know just in the general population you would think that you might need it so through there you would have proper counseling and proper discussion uh, but It has to also fit uh, with one's beliefs and sort of uh, ethics as well. And for example, a good parallel is egg donation, which is not, uh, uh, although it's been around for decades and it's very, very safe, has not been uh, uh, considered acceptable to everyone. And that's absolutely fine. These are just options. They're not things that people feel that they should uh, shouldn't have if they need them.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. Doctor Saris, uh, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for giving us your insight, your knowledge. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. We hope you have a lovely rest of the day. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Very thank you. It's been my pleasure. Zero to zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call if you want to speak about anything, have your comments known or ask your questions. Um and at Voice of Islam UK is the Twitter Handle which you can also reach us on. Just coming back a bit to the Islamic perspective, Ma'bud. Um, this is the, sci- the scientific breakthroughs. Can you just for the listeners just elaborate a little bit about how the Quran does not go against science, does not go against you know u- the use of science and the scientific discoveries and the scientific breakthroughs? Mm. How does the Quran actually advocate for that rather than going against it? I think
1: uh, (laughs) the Holy Quran itself, um, you know, speaks of these scientific discoveries uh, or rather it spoke of these scientific discoveries thousands of years ago before they were actually discovered. One such example is the Big Bang in itself where the Almighty says that the heavens and the earth were a closed up mass and then we uh, caused them to expand all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, there are many examples of scientific prophecies in the Holy Qur'an where Allah the Almighty has mentioned such thing, and they have been discovered many years later. Uh, one such uh, theory, uh, you know, of the end of the universe is the Great Crunch, you may have heard as well, which has also been hinted to in the Holy Qur'an. Yeah. I know this is something we can't say for sure. That's why it's a theory, right, until we actually experience it. But they do say that a time will come where... The, a big man will stop
0: so the universe stops expanding and then start crunching back in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we you would know? dip right back into the Islamic perspective yeah. um, for now we actually have another expert caller we have Sarah Norcross on the line who is a director of PET the Progress Educational Trust a charity which aims to improve choices for people affected by infertility or genetic conditions uh, Sarah peace be upon you, welcome to The Breakfast Show Um, I hope you're having a lovely morning, it's it's, it's amazing to have you on. Good morning, thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me. No worries, no worries, it's a pleasure to have you on and how's your morning been so far? It's been good. Uh, I've I've made myself a cup of
6: tea, so oh, I'm all
0: great. ready to go. So <laughs> something <yeah>. we're craving. <laughs> yeah, yeah right something now. I'm craving right now, but what's <laughs> in the studio? Uh, and, it,
6: and, it's not, and it's not raining at the moment, which is also a bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know
0: if you can see through your window. You can see some... great grey you know, clouds. Grey clouds, grey clouds. <laughs> but let's hope, let's hope the rain doesn't pour on us. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. also f- thank you again for uh, spending some time with us here on The Breakfast Show, The Voice of Islam UK. Just first of all, what does you know PET the Progress Educational Trust aim to do? Can you tell us a bit more about that? A bit your a bit about your role, and you know what's your what's the wider picture? Of what's going on?
6: Yeah, so so PET and um, we call ourselves PET rather than PT. It's a bit friendlier. Yeah. Um, and we're an independent charity, and so we what we want to do really is um, create um, a, an environment in the UK where. Um, People who are affected by infertility or genetic conditions, or sometimes a combination of both, um, can have access to the the best um, scientifically robust treatments, um, and to to help them either to have a family, or to prevent a genetic condition in their family, or to um, try and help um, cure a genetic disease. And so we do that. We what we do is we. Um, we provide clarity, So we, because this area is quite complex. So we, we have a website, um, progress.org.uk, where we yeah. publish Bionews, which is a sort of um, news blog so we we sort of scan the news each week to see what the most topical um and interesting either scientific developments or policy developments are and um we write about those so that people can access them without you know needing to have a science degree so they don't need to sort of be looking in in academic journals for that sort of information and then the other thing that we do is we produce free to attend events we've been holding these all online since the pandemic so people can access wherever they are in the country mm-hmm. um, to discuss some of the topical issues in this so our most recent one was about the women's health strategy and access to um, IVF treatment in England because that is a real postcode lottery but we also cover things like the scientific developments, such as um, whether it's mitochondrial donation or germline genome editing um, Um, or you know about how you know more basic things about you know
0: so people can understand a bit more about genetics Mm -hmm. that sounds that sounds very very interesting and what just going on to the mitochondrial diseases what what are they can you just elaborate a bit on what they are and how they are caused
6: yeah so mitochondrial disease is caused by faulty mitochondria mitochondria the tiny 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 Energy generating structures in our cells, which we inherit from our from our mum, and these um, cell these mitochondria are essential for each of our cells to work. And when people have faulty mitochondria, the effects can be really devastating. So, um, because yeah. the 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 mitochondria like the powerhouse of the cell, organs that need high energy levels to function, such as the brain, the heart, kidneys, muscles and liver um, can all be badly um, impacted um, by these conditions. So it means that people may suffer from seizures, from strokes, from blindness and deafness, from heart failure, liver failure, um, Mm -hmm. poor absorption of nutrition, um, speech problems, So it's a whole range, you know, it's sort of across the whole of the body that these uh, mitochondrial diseases can affect. And many people who are affected by mitochondrial um, diseases do not survive to adulthood. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, as as I said, so the mitochondria, um, they contain a very small portion um, of their own DNA which is separate from the nuclear DNA in the cell and when we talk about DNA in general conversation we're normally talking about nuclear DNA so what makes us you know look like our mum and dad gives us brown hair you know makes us um, have dark hair those sorts of things that, that, that we think about um, and that comes from the nucleus whereas the mitochondria Um, doesn't give us those sorts of similar traits to mitochondrial DNA.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And
6: so women um, who carry such um, mutations Mm -hmm. um, in their mitochondrial DNA have no reliable means of conceiving a healthy child um, that will be free of the devastating mitochondrial diseases until these techniques, um, which were developed in the UK several years ago now, um, were... Um, came online.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting and c- can you just give an overview of you know that this technique specifically um, yeah. of the three DNA's of uh, what's, your, what's your view on this and can you just give us a bit more of an overview so yeah. we can understand it a bit better.
6: So yes so mitochondrial donation how they do it this is the way that they avoid the mother passing it on um to any children it's a type of IVS um, that involves Conceiving a child using biological material from three people. So the, the child's parents mm-hmm. plus um, a mitochondrial dono- donor who's a woman. And so th- then there are two techniques to, to use this te- technology in the UK: um, there's maternal spindle transfer and pronuclear transfer. And in a nutshell, these techniques involve moving the nuclear DNA. From a mother's egg or embryo, which has the faulty mitochondria, to a to a donor egg or embryo which has the healthy mitochondria, but whose nuclear DNA has been previously removed. So you're sort of taking bits out and putting them together to make something um, that is uh, should be enable the woman to have a healthy, unaffected child. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it sounds quite simple when you think about it like that. But you yeah. have to bear in mind this is being done with something that's absolutely teeny tiny. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
6: and so it takes a lot of skill um, in the lab to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, so so what What are some of the disadvantages of this technique, if there are any? Well,
6: at the, at the moment, we are waiting for research to be published to see... Um, how this has gone in practice. in the. So I suppose one of the disadvantages, you could say, is that at the moment, um, because this is still, still a relatively new technique, mm. um, it's only being carried out in Newcastle. Um, yeah. So people who need to access it have to get to Newcastle um, in order to access treatment. Also mm. at the moment, because it's the way it is regulated, it's done on a case-by-case basis, So which means any family that is affected um, has to get you know go to the doctor, go through the sort of process of understanding their, their 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 case history, whether this technique can help them, and um, like you normally would. But then it has to go to the regulator, which is the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority for approval. Um, so it's quite a slow, laborious process in that way. I'm not saying that that's wrong at the moment because it's still quite new, and we need to see. Um, you know how it's working in practice before it's rolled out any further potentially across the UK or speeded up. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what people are thinking about is that you know it's for, for some families that are affected by this where they've had you know multiple children die as babies um, that this is a technique that you know can potentially help them to have a healthy child and so um, when you sort of think about that risk-benefit analysis, it seems worthwhile for them to try um, this technique if they want.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and quickly, just to, just to finish your last question we like to ask you is, do you think that this could be become the go-to sort of procedure to uh, avoid mitochondrial disease or, you know, to help with this uh, issue at hand?
6: I think at the moment it is the best hope um, for families who are affected by by this um disease but the, the the joy of science is you never know what you know they might think about in 10 or 20 years time yeah. that might be available to help people in a completely different way so um, i've i've been in, uh, working at pet now for 15 years mm. and uh, every so often you know a new scientific development will come <laughs> yeah, along which yeah. i wasn't expecting to think wow you know it's but the thing is, you're wowed at the beginning when they first make the proposal about how to do this. Um, but then you realise it can take, you know, up to a decade before it gets anywhere near a person, because scientists have to demonstrate that it is safe, um, or is as is, is safe as you can possibly um, make it before you try it um, in humans.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sarah thank you so much for joining us and so thank you so much for giving us your, your knowledge your education and just giving us a deeper insight onto what is going on with this uh, mitochondrial disease and the, you know, the procedures to kind of limit that and try to change the future of uh, those people who may uh, be infertile or you know, you know, just have such problems. Uh, Sarah thank you so much for joining us we hope you have a lovely rest of the day and we hope you enjoy that cup of tea that you've got right in front of you Thank you ever so much for having me on, and hope you get a cup of tea soon. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's <laughs> thank been you. a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Uh, that was Sarah Norcross, who uh, from who's the director of Pet uh, the Progress Educational Trust, a charity which aims to improve choices for people affected by infertility or genetic conditions. Um, and the number to always call is zero two zero eight six eight seven. 7878 and you can also tweet us at voice of islam uk i don't know how long we'll be still calling that a tweet but we'll keep it running for as long as we possibly can um yeah so this this whole disease of you know that affects uh fertility that's affecting people all over the globe um Science and scientists are always having these breakthroughs coming through with different ways to sort of help humanity. And one thing to remember is that we are all in this together as a humanity. Uh, Islam teaches this as well. In Islam, there's two parts of Islam, which is the rights of Allah and the rights to humankind. And if we are doing our utmost for humanity, helping those people who are, need help, helping helping those people who are poor, helping those people who are starving thirsty, who don't have education, giving them the things that are basic human rights, a roof to live under, some food on their plate, some water to drink, these these little, little things which we may take for granted in this country or where we live in. However, Islam promotes you know, taking care of these people and giving the rights to humanity as much as we can. And through scientific breakthroughs like this, we are able to help humankind we are able to help those people who want to have children but can't maybe for such reasons and it is amazing to see how much progress science has made it's amazing to see what we can do by going into the tiniest tiniest uh, spot on the cell and make a few couple of changes. We are slowly, slowly, slowly approaching eight o'clock and we will leave you for the news in just a second. Um, But uh, after that, we will quickly conclude this segment and then we'll move on to our next segment. Uh, Here is the eight o'clock news.
4: Writings of the promised Messiah, alayhi salam. The time is approaching when God will grant worldwide popularity to this movement and this dispensation will spread in the East and the West, and the North and the South, and in the world, Islam and this movement will become synonymous terms. This is a revelation from God on high, for whom nothing is impossible.
0: Peace be upon you all, welcome back to The Breakfast Show, you are joined with myself Shamail and my colleague Mabroor. In this first segment we were speaking about the first baby born with three DNAs, and just to conclude this topic Just to conclude this segment Before we move on to the next It's really really important To understand it From an from Islamic point of view As well What Islam says about this I mean The the research says And uh, the the study shows That only 0.1% Is coming from a third donor It doesn't affect You know The physical um, Characteristics of the child Of any sort All it does Is to help uh Fix that area, to fix that specific place, which can cause diseases and cause harm to you know the the baby being born or the mother. So Islam over here doesn't doesn't say that you know just because the Quran says Allah the Almighty says that you shouldn't interfere with the law of nature, you shouldn't interfere with God's creation. This does not mean that if there's something which will benefit humankind then that is off the table Islam uh, stops those things which you know you try to mutate the human body or try to enhance the human body in some way which is not to help it's rather just out of greed or out of ignorance that is what Islam prohibits and trying to become a creator trying to become like God that is what Islam pro- uh, prohibits but that, uh, what Islam allows are those procedures, those medical procedures, those scientific breakthroughs which can help people, help people have children, help people, you know, um, stay stay alive, help people live a healthy life so that they can, you know, worship Allah the Almighty and, um, you know, this is a key part of Islam as, as I said, mentioned right before this break, right before the news break that there's two parts, there's the rights of Allah and the rights of humankind and the rights of humankind entails those things which... You know, help society, help humans, help our fellow beings on this planet, to the be- to make sure that they are the best of health, to make sure that nothing wrong is going on, to make sure that they got exactly what they need. Maru, can you just just talk a little bit about how Hakukul Ibad about the rights of humankind are so important in Islam, and how this is also linked to the topic at hand?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, if we look back at the saying, a saying of the Holy Prophet, may the peace and be upon him, where he states that uh, Allah the Almighty I told him once that it is, uh, it's possible me for me to forgive uh, the rights you have over me as uh, Allah the Almighty, but I, I won't be able to forgive you not fulfilling the rights of mm-hmm. mankind, mm-hmm. and I think that's because. Uh, it is within our power to benefit anyone, mm-hmm. right? Any any people uh, uh, on the earth. And and it's possible for anyone, right? Uh, whereas uh, someone who maybe doesn't believe in God, okay, he may not be able to uphold the rights of Allah the Almighty. But uh, no one can uh, go away from this sort of responsibility of you know the rights of humankind of course of course and it just shows how important and the rights of humankind are you know Allah the Almighty stressing on it the Prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stressing on it and giving such importance to these rights shows that you should do as much as you can to uh, benefit others and uh with regards to this, we have this uh, genetic modification pre- procedure as well, which we've been speaking about in the first segment, where this procedure is done to help the uh, husband and wife to have a child, uh, you know, without any sort of diseases. You know, it's it's also a way of helping and benefiting mankind. So I think uh, it links in with Islam as well. Where you are not just uh, following a procedure, but you also is that element of helping them out as well mm-hmm. uh, through, you know, uh, this an Islamic perspective.
0: Yep, yep, and and something which uh, can also be included in this uh, relating back to the topic about you know not interfering with um, God's creation. If you th- if you look at those people who are maybe amputees and don't have legs, and they have they have an amputated leg, and they have a sort of case where they have a they have an artificial leg. Those people who are on the extreme side they will say that you know you're not even allowed to have that because it's altering God's creation. However, Islam does not say that. Islam actually would uh, would actually encourage that, advocate for having an artificial leg or artificial hand or artificial fingers mm-hmm. so so that you can live life as you were if you were properly healthy and fully healthy and you had uh, you didn't have such problems to face and these scientific breakthroughs and these scientific studies is what helps us get to that next step and helps us help humankind even more and that is the last message I would like to leave on this segment today. Um, we will have it, just a short, short break and we'll be right back after that. And if you do want to join in the conversation, the number is as always 208 And you can also tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking a bit more about sleep, the importance of sleep. And that a study has found that high quality sleep can help reduce and even prevent mental health issues we'll be back very shortly don't go anywhere you just bear
4: with us and we'll be back in just a moment the conditions of initiation bed in the Ahmadiyya muslim community by hazrat mirza ghulam ahmad of Qadiyan, the promised messiah peace be upon him the initiate shall solemnly promise one that he or she shall abstain from shirk association of any partner with God right up to the day of his or her death. Two, that he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion, and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be three that he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the Tahajjud and invoking the rood on the Holy Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify him. 4. That under the impulse of any passions he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue nor by his or her hands nor by any other means. 5. That he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life in sorrow and happiness adversity and prosperity in felicity and trial and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune on the contrary he or she shall march forward 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran. And shall make the Word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance, and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honour of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honour, children, and all other dear ones. 9 that he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only and shall endeavour to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah, and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death, that he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness.
7: Al-Malik,
3: the Sovereign, the one with complete dominion, the one whose dominion is clear from imperfection. Say, O oh Allah, Lord of Sovereignty, thou givest sovereignty to whomsoever thou pleasest, and thou takest away sovereignty
7: from whomsoever thou pleasest.
8: His Holiness, Hazret
7: Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals, universal to all religions and cultures, with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, colour or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty, and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security.
2: ibn <laughs> الله الله it
1: is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Anhu from his father, from his grandfather, who reported, The Holy Prophet stated, Indeed, Allah loves to see the results of His favours upon His servant.
2: Allah
1: Shar
4: Listening to the voice of Islam radio.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings be upon you all. You are tuned in to the breakfast show. Welcome back if you are coming after the break, and welcome if you are joining us right now. Uh, we have a very, very interesting topic coming up, which is the importance of sleep. Something we are all very, very familiar with, and we all Love uh, a study finds that high-quality sleep can prevent mental health issues um, such as depression and anxiety and many many more. This is what we will be speaking about for the next forty or so minutes of today's breakfast show. Uh, if you want to get involved, if you want to have your voice heard, if you want to say anything, ask some questions. Uh, the number to call is as always zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and you can always tweet us at. Uh, the voice or at voice of Islam UK. So, going straight into the topic of uh, of of sleep, um, you know, study finds that higher quality of sleep, better sleep, uh, can prevent mental health issues and. Research has shown quality sleep can help bolster resilience to depression and anxiety A Muslim is commanded to get up early in the morning to say his prayers and this practice is natural as well as healthy uh, The example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is the best ideal in this respect uh, He generally went to bed early and got up a little after midnight to offer tahajj prayers uh, voluntary prayer during the night and taking a nap again in the afternoon Um. So the study, you know, is led by researchers at the University of York highlights that chronic stress is a major risk factor for a number of mental health disorders, including depression and pathological anxiety. But high quality sleep and coping strategies, such as the ability to reframe a situation to see the positive side, um, can help to prevent poor mental health when faced with negative or stressful experiences the researchers uh research study uh study data from over 600 participants during COVID 19 pandemic in 2020 in an extended stressful period for all we can all agree upon that Uh, they aim to test the theory that coping strategies uh, support positive mental health outcomes uh which could be strengthened by high quality sleep
1: Th- we find in the example of the Holy Prophet, yep. I mean, peace and blessings be upon him as well, where he enjoyed upon the Muslims to recite and meditate upon the text of the verse of the Holy Quran entitled as Ayatul Qursi and the last three chapters from the Holy Quran before going to bed. Um, these verses were not actually recited as a charm, um, as, they w- as will be seen, they would deal with the most sublime attributes of God Almighty and as such deeply impress the mind of the individual. Contemplation of these divine attributes pur- purifies and elevates the soul. One seeks protection from with God from all evil ideas and mischievous things, and this practice, if
0: intelligently carried out, becomes a great source of moral strength. Yeah, I mean, we will be going into the Islamic side a bit more um, after we get a dive a bit more into the scientific side of things. Um, we will be speaking about how what Islam says about this and how Islam actually, you know, encourages the same thing and promotes the same thing. Um, Just moving on a bit to, you know, the research side of things, Emma Sullivan, a PhD student from the Department of Psychology at the University of York, said that as the COVID-19 pandemic has been a prolonged period of stress for people across the entire world, it offered us with a unique context with which to address our uh, research questions. This is, the study, uh, this is the first study to investigate the ways in which positive coping strategies and sleep quality influence depression and anxiety when experiencing a real-world chronic stressor. We found that better sleep quality has, was associated with fewer symptoms of both depression and anxiety during the initial uh, months of COVID-19 and these findings highlight the importance of targeting both positive coping strategies and sleep quality when enduring periods of chronic stress. Um, But before we about this amongst ourselves, my we have an expert caller on the line. We have Professor William Wisdom with us, who is born and raised in Brighton, UK. William Wisdom studied natural sciences, uh, zoology at the University of Cambridge, and they did research concerning various aspects of the biochemistry of the brain, how neurons and brain cells communicate with each other. At the University of he- uh, Heidelberg, Germany, the MRC Laboratory of Mil- uh, Molecular Biology, Cambridge, UK, and Aberdeen, Scotland, since 2000. Uh, Since 2009, he has been in the Department of Life Sciences at Imperial College London where he is a Professor of Molecular Neurosciences and together with Professor Nicholas Franks uh, currently investigates how and why animals and humans sleep. Wisden is also a founder of a a founder member of the UK Dementia Research Institute Institute at Imperial where he studies how sleep quality impacts dementia related pathology. A very, very, very interesting person we have on the line here. Very, very uh, intelligent and has a lot of uh, accolades uh, to his name. Professor William Wisden, welcome to The Breakfast Show. Uh, Peace be upon you. It is amazing to have you on.
9: Thank you very much. Yes, I'm enjoying going to enjoy talking to you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> we hope you do. We hope you do. And how's your morning been so far? Uh, it's wet. It's very wet. Oh, but, is uh, it- I feel I feel good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the traditional British weather isn't it <laughs> I,
9: had a good, I had a good
0: night's sleep oh great 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 that means you can talk better on the topic <laughs> yeah. we're about to that speak about ready for the show ready for the show ready for the show uh, just to begin with could you just talk a bit about um, the research you've done on sleep something which we all love something which we, which we all look forward to, to, to and crave person. and we keep dear to ourselves can you just tell yeah. us what your research tells us about this
9: okay thank you so we work uh, on why you have to go to sleep when you're sleep deprived. Uh, you know, we can't mm-hmm. resist the urge to go to sleep, and we found some brain cells deep in the brain um, that makes you sleepy. Um, and we've studied, together with colleagues, their wiring. And now we look for the, we try to find the biochemicals that uh, build up in our brain as we get sleepy. Um, but we haven't found those yet, but we have found some of the wiring in the brain that makes us sleepy, along with other colleagues.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> and um, so wh- why is sleep so important?
9: Uh, well, well, so um, actually uh, it's something we have to do. Um, you know, you can't resist sleeping. So if yeah. I, like any of your listeners, take up a bet, I'll give you $10,000, 10000 pounds <laughs> to stay awake until um, Sunday or, th- or even just actually Saturday. And um, I measure your brainwaves. Uh, you won't be able to resist. Nobody can. You'll actually have, even if you're very determined, uh, you will go to sleep. So it's a basic, basic urge, like um, yeah. hunger and thirst. And why is it important? Well, there's all kinds of things that uh, mm. we feel bad about when we go to sleep. So, you know, one study... Uh, Found that if you if you if you keep human volunteers up for just 24 hours so a special kind of lab, is just the volunteers staying awake, um, and you test how well they can drive in a kind of driving simulator, that's just one night of sleep deprivation is as bad as having a glass of wine, um, and they can measure all your, uh, oh. bonters, how, you know, so it's really got wow. something bad to your biochemistry. Mm. Um, but sleep researchers actually don't quite know precisely what it does, except we all know that with how bad we feel about sleep, uh, you feel much more stressed. And there's another great study on uh, human volunteers where if you keep uh, young people up, uh, you know, people in their 20s for volunteers for 24 hours, and then you give them a test to do arithmetic sums uh, compared to in front of a panel of people, like doing an exam, like a like a job interview or something, yeah. if they haven't had any sleep for 24 hours, compared with people that have, and you measure their stress hormones, the people without sleep have massive increase in their stress hormones in their blood without mm. that sleep. So people can't you can't see the world normally <laughs> without a healthy night's sleep. There's other kinds of uh, researchers have found that you need sleep to help your heart and your immune system there's all kinds of interesting things important things for life that we somehow but the core purpose of sleep we're somehow missing it the actual biochemical yeah. reason uh, we haven't found it yet but it's obviously uh, very important for
0: life so so just coming back to like mental health issues depression yes. anxiety um, yes. uh, stress uh, how how can like how does sleep actually better sleep help with these uh, issues that we have uh,
9: well so somehow all of these things like stress and mood uh, there's there are although there, there are sort of everyday events that make us stress mm-hmm. or have a bad mood uh, somehow they're processed biochemically and um, when we have uh, sleep, particularly a special kind of dream sleep called rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, it can mm-hmm. be shown in humans that the more REM sleep they have, uh, the less stress you feel. Um, mm-hmm. And so, for example, uh, in the very extreme case, post-traumatic stress disorder, that's when something horrible happens to you, uh, like an accident or in war. Um, people with post-traumatic stress disorder um, have more um well, they have, actually, uh, they have less REM sleep, uh, and people think that that researchers think that, that uh, they're, they're suffering because they, they don't have enough of this special kind of REM sleep. So, basically, some biochemical reasons that we're stressed, um, the sleep reprocesses that, and mm-hmm.
4: so
9: uh, it helps you stay on an even keel. They're all of studies about
7: that, including the one
1: you mentioned at the beginning of your of the interview. Hmm. And um, what can actually be classed as high quality sleep? I know you mentioned rapid eye movement. I remember a couple yeah. years back, me, I was trying to do some research on uh, what was good sleep. Yeah. I remember coming across uh, sleep cycles of an hour and a half. So I'm guessing those are uh, cycles of <laughs> rapid eye movement. So what yes. would you class as high-quality sleep? And if you could give us uh, advice on, you know, say, oh, yeah. uh, so when we should be sleeping or how we should plan our sleep, mm-hmm. how many hours and so on. Uh,
9: okay, so high-quality high quality sleep is, is considered by uh, doctors to be continuous sleep. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, we've all got different te- amounts of sleep that we need. So Some people are lucky enough to only need four or five hours sleep. I myself need seven or eight. Uh, There's no rule about that. But um, if you have good sleep, uh, when uh, a sleep clinician measures how you sleep, they look at your brain waves and they can tell if they're a continuous kind of sleep. Um, So that's best. So people that have insomnia, um, often if they were studying sleep labs, they have interrupted sleep. So the best kind of sleep is non interrupted so a continuous uh stretch of sleep uh, for uh, at least four to five hours uh, dependent uh, m- m- for many people seven hours so mm. it's the interrupted uh, people the researchers think is the worst for your health mm-hmm. um
1: so, Sorry, so it can vary from person to person. I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
9: So, um, uh, there's some some extreme families which are genetic. Uh, in California, researchers found that uh, some uh, people only need to sleep four hours a night, and they feel great. Um, they do. They do need that four hours, but otherwise, they just feel great and they're mm. active and positive. Um, mm-hmm. To be honest, uh, we don't know the biochemical reason for that but it's oh, a, okay. a, a, a genetic basis uh, whereas other people me as i said like myself uh, i think i'm fairly average seven to eight hours sleep mm-hmm.
0: a night yeah and you, you mentioned five hours you mentioned some people have four hours you mentioned seven hours yes. as well and we always hear this myth or I, I, I don't want to call it a myth right now Until you give some clar- clarification But we always hear from uh, As we're growing up That you need eight hours Eight hours of sleep we're kind of It's kind of drilled into us That we need eight hours of sleep yes. So how how true is that? Or is it just depending on How you've conditioned your body And um, how, how much sleep you have You know, time you have available to you To actually sleep Because sometimes 24 hours in a day Is not enough for some people Sometimes exactly. it's too, <laughs> mi- too much time So w- w- what kind of makes the difference? And w- how, how much... Is is the you know the the line what's the what's the best amount of sleep you can get
9: uh so i think um it's very variable there's it is a myth that everyone needs eight hours sleep what mm-hmm. you what, uh, but what you should people should do is sleep as much as they need and so that that's the sort of just if you wake up and you feel good um you've had enough sleep yeah. uh, if you wake up and you feel tired or you feel tired in the day and you keep nodding off, uh, and um, that means you're not getting enough sleep. And so uh, you have to uh, work it out for yourself, really everybody it's kind of obvious. you just feel, "Do I feel good um, or do I feel really tired and um, I should have enough sleep?" So learning how much sleep your body needs is, is as important as uh, having good exercise and a good diet. 100%.
6: Uh, and, that's,
9: and, and that's what mm-hmm. it is about. We call it sleep hygiene. So, yeah. Learning the importance of sleep and not missing out on sleep. If, you know, so if, you, if you're like one of those lucky people that are very busy and active and actually don't need much sleep and you feel great, uh, that's great. You shouldn't mm-hmm. feel bad that uh, you only sleep in five hours. But if it's a bit like, more like what you're saying, oh, I'm so busy, I've got to do this tonight, I've got to do this early tomorrow morning, whatever, I just sleep's not important. I'm just going to override it and miss it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and that's bad, of course. And um, so, so people have to, if they're serious about their health, you just learn uh, to respect your body and say, well, I need to go to bed at 10 o'clock on average mm-hmm. in the evening. And I... Uh, I'm going to wake up at seven, or I'm going to wake up at five. There's no fixed, fixed rule. Just as long as you feel good that of you course. are getting enough sleep.
0: Of course, of course. And and what research or what have you found about you know taking naps during the day? And maybe like, um, I occasionally you, you would take a power nap, maybe twenty minutes. Uh, if I if I'm feeling a bit tired or if if I didn't get enough sleep, I try to I, I personally try to condition myself to sleep less, and uh, maybe if I need to take a power nap during the day. Yeah. What sort of research? How does that help? Because um, I've I've seen a lot of you know you know gym goers and fitness fitness uh, freaks, if <laughs> you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And those um uh, those people, a lot of people say you know just take a power nap, twenty minutes, ten minutes, just get some shut eye. Uh, you don't need to actually sleep but yeah. as long as you're shutting shutting your eyes just relaxing up what benefit does that have to your overall mood your health and and your sleep
9: uh, well, I think that's a great thing to do. I do that myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Even sometimes when I'm at work, I shut my office door and I have a power nap in the afternoon. I set my phone for so, 20 sounds minutes. Sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it makes you, it makes you feel better yeah. later. It, it, that improves your mood. so it's a really good thing to do. That you, people shouldn't, if the, if they have have the means, you know, through their work or just at home, yeah. a nap in the afternoon is great. But it does make you feel better for the rest of the day, and more importantly. Um, it's been backed up by research. So, um, hmm. researchers, uh, colleagues have shown uh, at the University of Surrey, for example, on volunteers that um, people's brainwaves, uh, sleep brainwaves, benefit uh, from an afternoon nap. So, hmm. I think it's, it's, it's a, we don't yeah. know the biochemical reason, but it, it's a great thing to do. Again, it's it's nothing that you should feel forced to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but often we have a natural dip in our activity at, say, two or three in the afternoon. And a nap, so mm-hmm. like the siestas yep. uh, in Southern Europe, it's a great thing to do, providing you don't do it too long, you know, so don't don't sleep for two hours in the afternoon because then you can't, unless you're ill, uh, because then you can't wake up, in the, you can't go to sleep in the evening.
4: Yeah. So, yeah.
9: But anyway, a nap is a great idea and it's backed up by science.
0: Perfect, perfect. Uh, Professor William uh, thank you so much, so much for joining us on today's show and giving us your insight, your education. Um, if I if I run through your accolades one more time, I think we'll probably go onto uh nine o'clock and the show would finish. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it's well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and thank you so much for your information and your Okay, knowledge.
9: thank you for having me on. Have okay, a great day, you. and I hope
0: you enjoy your nap later during the day as well. Thank you. Have a good, good sleep as All well. Right. <laughs> Take care. That was uh, Professor William, who, like I just mentioned, if I if I mention his accolades again, we'll be on till the end of the show but he did study um uh, natural sciences at the university of cambridge and he studies sleep and he gave us a very very good insight uh we are very, very appreciative of uh to having him on the show uh, and if you want to call if you want to speak to us if you want to tell us about your sleep how you manage to sleep uh, maybe if you have a child and you're not able to get that you know that long stretch of sleep of undisturbed sleep because obviously children wake up during the night mm. if the cycle's uh, not matching with the rest of the people in the home so what do you do to manage your sleep and how do you manage to get as much rest as possible do you take naps during the day do you take multiple naps during the day or do you just nap and never actually fall into a deep sleep let us know call us on 0208 or tweet us at voice of islam uk we're coming back to Islam Professor William just said that Taking naps Taking naps Is backed by science During the day Yeah And where do we find this example In Islam? I think if we follow the example Or rather if we look at the
1: example Of the Holy Prophet mm-hmm. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him Yeah He actually had a practice Of taking naps uh, In the uh, afternoon Yeah You know So and uh you know, we can see that um, he would also wake up at night yeah. for his uh, late night prayers, the Taha'jad prayer.
0: Um, the, voluntary, the voluntary prayer during the voluntary night before prayer. the morning
1: prayer. Yeah, before the morning prayer. And um, I think if we look at this practice, it's quite uh, evident that taking those sort of naps throughout the day would help him uh, wake up at night, you know. So I think... Of course, backed by science, there was definitely some sort of wisdom behind his actions. And now we understand it in this day and age that, you know, after all, it was benefiting this whole time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and like 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 the professor yeah. Professor William also told us that it's a myth about having eight hours of sleep. It mm. depends on person to person. You can slowly condition yeah. yourself to have less and less sleep. Yeah. If you know that you are not doing anything for the whole day, then that might condition your brain for that specific day to sleep longer, to stay in bed for longer. You just wake up in the morning at like eight o'clock maybe, and just think to yourself, "Oh, I've, I've really got nothing to do today. Might as well get another hour of sleep." But if you know you've got something to be, yeah, you've, got yeah. some, uh, you've got some, you've got somewhere work to do, you got got some duties to attend to uh you have to take care of your children or drop your children to school or pick them up later as well get your work done get mm. your shopping done everything done then if you you can condition yourself to sleep three hours four hours yeah. maybe five yeah. hours and it doesn't have to be that full seven eight hours of sleep every single day condition it's good to know to it's less. good
1: to know that the eight hour myth is you know it's still oh, a yeah, myth yeah, yeah. you know because helps me, helps me. you look at different people like yeah. for example many like influence. uh many rich people across yeah. the world right mm-hmm. i can't believe someone like elon musk is sleeping eight hours a day yeah, yeah. running some a company as big as you know tesla, tesla or and x, x and, uh, everything uh, spacex as well yeah. you know so it, it's it's good to understand that you should only sleep how much you need yeah you know
0: yeah if you lo- if you look at like yeah. you just mentioned if you look at those people who are the most uh, influential the most successful in the world yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, if you look at those people, then you see the sleep ty- sleep cycles, their daily routine. They see they wake up early in the morning. If you look at you yeah. know, someone like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? He's yeah, got yeah. he's not just about gym and building muscle. Mm-hmm. He has a whole business. He has a whole team. He wakes up in the morning early in the yeah. morning before everyone goes to the gym, works out, comes back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry, just got t- a bit of a tickle <laughs> in my throat. Um, early morning starts, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it starts early in the morning to get everything done. Mm. And by the time The rest of the world Is waking up He's already accomplished Half of his day yeah. Do you know what I mean So yeah, yeah. There's, If yeah. if you condition yourself To sleep that much Doesn't matter how If you're going to gym Or doesn't matter If you've got this And that to do If you condition yourself To sleep yeah. Three, four hours You can survive On three, four hours You don't need to Go crazy I mean this, uh, When I was studying At university uh, the, the same as The Institute of Modern Language and Theology Our daily routine Was to wake up At around 7.30 mm. in the morning Get ready yeah. Uh, get to Get to You know Lectures Get to assembly Whatever Or what not So I remember like Going home on the weekends You we have that one day we go, go home on the weekend yeah. And yeah. We'll be, I'll be Looking forward to that sleep And you know Waking up Late And you know Just be like Oh I've, I've been waking up yeah. more Early every single morning But mm. on the weekend I'll still wake up At 7.30 Just out, of, out There'll be no alarm <laughs> Condition your body on, I've conditioned myself yeah. <coughs> Whether I've it Intentionally or not Yeah I conditioned myself In a way that You know I'll still waking up At And I wake up Why am I waking up But that's how it is I I got to that point Where I didn't need to sleep So many hours To Mm. be fully rested And it wasn't that I woke up tired I woke up well rested I woke up fine
1: I think the main Main thing is that uh, However much sleep You are able to get Whether that's 7 hours 8 hours 5 hours 4 hours For your body And you're happy with it Your body is accepting it Uh, You know That sort of sleep The sort of sleep Which is right for you Will eventually uh, help your mind stay fresh You know, stay away from things uh, Or developing yep. things as such as depression and anxiety We mentioned this in the beginning of our show How high quality sleep can prevent these mental health issues You know, they say healthy body, healthy mind You must have heard this a lot mm-hmm. as well
0: Definitely, definitely uh, We're going to quickly listen to a short audio clip of the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizrath Tahir Ahmad, may Allah have mercy on his soul, about what is the Islamic view of human embryonic research.
8: You may have answered this question before, I haven't heard the answer to it, but what are the Islamic views on the experiments to human embryos? You see, any interference with the creation of God, which can be termed as interference, is wrong and uh, punishable by God. But if it is assistance in the process of uh, reproduction, then it would not be considered uh, considered as interference. So any research which interferes with the process of reproduction and which may lead to distorted childbirth would be un-Islamic. But outside this range, every work of research which is in fact carried out to help the process of reproduction, that should be considered as Islamic and within the spirit of uh, Islamic teaching.
0: That was just a short clip talking about embryonic research about the fourth caliph of uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which referred back to the first segment which we spoke about. Uh, this is a very interesting clip to understand more about the Islamic perspective. But com- com- coming back to sleep and coming back to what we're speaking, out right, uh, speaking about right now, in the second segment, we do have another clip of uh, the fourth caliph. And we'll listen to that, They're talking a bit more about sleep and the Islamic side of things. Uh, when you're asleep, yes. how does God present Uh, messages to you
10: You see the human psyche is fully provided with all the possibilities and all the eventualities which a man may confront but part the, the ultimate reason why we have been provided with this intricate phenomenon within ourselves is to bring us in communion with God, right? Hmm. If you got if you have a radio set, there has to be some purpose to receive a, a, a certain program broadcast from a certain radio station. The more powerful the radio set is, the more clear the message would be. But a radio set without a remitting station is, is, no, is nothing. It's completely meaningless. Unless it goes haywire and starts you know building its own messages and things by internal pulses and and vibrations. This is exactly the case of human psyche (coughs) human mind. Human mind is fully equipped with all the recipient system of prophecy or communion from God. If it were not God will not be able to commune with you. He transmits, and you must receive. So the receiving set is provided in, you know, to every human being. Whether it is of high quality or low quality, it varies from person to person. But it is provided. Now, if there is no message from God. Can this system be activated otherwise, by other factors or not? This is the second question, which should be answered.
9: Mm.
10: To my knowledge, yes. This system can be activated through human uh, inf- uh, power, the, 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 through the power of human mind as well. This we have observed in mesmerism this were observed in the case of uh, Pharaoh's magician working on the minds of Moses and other people and making them imagine that they are snakes and not uh, ropes or strings. And according to Allah, this was their magic they, by which they bound the sights of the people. They didn't turn the ropes into, into snakes at all. So the power of mind working upon other minds is a proof of what I'm, a, a proof of the truth of what
0: i'm telling you that was the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya muslim community hazrat mizatahala may allah have mercy on him We're speaking about how it's a truth of islam a truth of god uh, that we have dreams and explaining how god almighty can present us messages uh, when we sleep and further explained the influence of the human mind I mean the Islamic side of things Is that If God Almighty speaks to us Whilst we sleep It shows how important sleep is I mean it's a way mm. Of communication Between the living God uh, Who some, some religions say uh, A lot of religions say That God does no longer speak With um, humans With, with humankind what, But what the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Presents The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad May uh, peace be upon him what he taught and what he promoted and what he proved is that God Almighty still speaks to this day. And one method, one, uh, one path and one way that Allah the Almighty does this is through dreams. So showing again how important sleep is in our lives as Muslims as well. And one thing which we need to note down is when we sleep, it is like a break from society a break from your stress a break from your struggles a break from everything so that you can relax you know just take take off everything get into your bed get to wherever you're comfortable and just you know sleep away the pain for that day just finish your day off have some rest and then come back to the world refreshed ready for a new day ready yeah. for the next challenges ready to do that mm. and Islam promotes this in so many ways, so many different, different ways. First of all, it says that the night, uh, the Holy Quran says in chapter 25, verse 48, that it is, uh, and he it is who has made a night a covering for you, and who has made sleep for rest and has made the day for rising up, showing that the night is for sleep and the uh, the day, the rest of the day is for you to be awake and for you to do your daily tasks. And another way which Islam promotes Breaking away from society, breaking away from your struggles, breaking away from everything and turning towards rest and turning towards solitude and peace and tranquility is through the five daily prayers. We have a busy schedule. We do work. We we try to earn money. We try to take care of our friends, our family, children. Um, We have so many different tasks at hand. We have to make sure we've got the groceries in time. We've got to make sure that everything is, you know, we're paying our taxes, we're paying our bills, we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're living comfortably. And We take, we need to take a break away from that And f- through the five daily prayers which Islam promotes We take a break away from all these things Turn towards our Creator Turn towards that being Who gave us everything without us even asking for Gave us the sun, gave us our eyes Gave us food, gave us uh, water Gave us all these things which we never even asked for And we just turn away, take a break And it helps refresh our brains It helps yeah. refresh our mind And just kind of take a step back Turn towards our Creator, thank Him Ask for help if we need, um, and then after we're done, we slowly go back into society. Mm-hmm. And through the five daily prayers, it keeps one sane. I mean, what does what else does the Quran say? I mean, there, there's a quote on pretty much pretty much all of our mosques um, about uh, you know about the heart.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. In in the Quran, Holy Quran, we find that. Allah the Almighty state Is that it is Verily It is in the remembrance Of Allah the Almighty That the hearts Find comfort And Of course Just as you mentioned uh, Through our five daily prayers And remembering Allah the Almighty <coughs> Sorry Is a way for us To uh, You know Find peace uh, You know Through our struggles Letting our struggles out uh, Before uh, Allah the Almighty Praying to Him uh, yeah. You know Taking uh Sort of uh, isolating yourself from the world yeah. uh, and uh, spending time in the, the remembrance of Allah the Almighty yeah. sort of gives you comfort at uh, your heart as well.
0: Yeah, I mean this, uh, that that specific part that it is only in the remembrance of Allah that hearts find comfort, and that directly links links to our mental health when we are going through depression, anxiety, stress, and any sort of sort of mental health issues. Then our heart is in discomfort. Mm-hmm. And what Allah the Almighty is saying that is Turn to me, turn towards me, he created you And I will bring you peace That is what Allah the Almighty is saying yeah. That all we need to do is turn to him And then we will find our comfort at heart We won't find, it's not saying comfort in your minds Comfort in your brain, or comfort in your limbs Comfort in your body It's in comfort at your heart It's because when you are going through mental health issues it is, it, Your heart is what aches Your heart is what needs comfort Your heart is what needs peace so therefore, yeah. Islam is promoting that you know the the side of things where you just seclude yourself from society, and that is five daily prayers, and that is also your sleep, um, and just the in the on the topic of mental health, on the topic uh, and the topic I had that m- better sleep, better quality sleep, helps with your mental health yeah. issues. It's it's directly linked with Islamic teachings to yeah. sleep and make sure you're um before you sleep you do your prayers and you know, you wake up refreshed and then yeah. just the, having that better overall day, having that better overall sleep will help <coughs> with your mental health issues. We as Ahmadi Muslims, you know, our founder, the
1: Prophet Siah, may the peace and blessing of be upon him, yeah. uh Hazim, he actually mentioned that there is a very deep link between the soul and the human body. Yeah, you know, whatever happens on the outside affects the inside. I just reminded me a of verse of the Holy Quran, which says that Allah the Almighty uh, uh, takes hold of the soul on two occasions: one when he is sleeping, and one when he passes away. You mm. know, so it just got me thinking that if you know, when we are sleeping, our soul is actually reached Allah the Almighty in that moment. For a temporary period of time, yep. you know, if it, and also, um, keeping bearing in mind that sleep is a way for us to regenerate our minds, uh, you know, uh, get fresh for the next day as well. So, this, this sort of, um, you know, spiritual side as well, it's also getting refreshed, uh,
0: through our sleep mm-hmm. as well, you know, And mm-hmm. I feel like you look at the younger generation, um, you look at that, those generation, that generation of people that stay awake uh all night uh this and for, for for no purpose for you know just for the for the sake of staying up i mean <laughs> that has detrimental I- impacts on the yeah. on the mind on the body um you can you can tell that once if if you normally sleep at ten o'clock once it goes past ten o'clock it hits eleven okay, you're still okay once it hits twelve one. You're not sleeping You're staying awake Your body Is is begging you Begging you to go to sleep Begging Mm -hmm. you to get into bed And just go to sleep And close your eyes And just shut everything off And just rest Because if you don't do that Then you get tired You can't see properly Your sight goes Um, I mean even when you're driving For long long distances It is illegal to drive For over a certain amount of time Because you get tired You need to take a break You need to refresh yourself Um, And you just need to just take that step away from society. Take a step back, um, and all these things at the end of the day help your mental health. Help with depression. Help with stress. Help with anxiety. Um, if those people who overthink, those people who you know get anxious really quickly, if you are getting a better, better night's rest, uh, then then slowly but surely you will see a positive effect on these mental health issues. And that's not to say that sleep will be the only thing that helps with uh, mental health issues and if if you just sleep properly then that will cure everything obviously that's not the case people have different reasons it could be family issues it could be um issues about you know just work and money and income and it, it could be literally anything and you know our thoughts and prayers go out to every single person that our thoughts and prayers go out to every single person that uh you know that are going through such difficulties and uh but uh, God willing, uh, everything will be fine But there are a couple of tips Which we can give you Um, Mabru, can you just quickly go through those tips Um, So I think number
1: one uh, Getting into a routine You know uh, Scientific posture for sleep Is lying on the right side and this has also been practiced by our, our beloved Master, the Holy Prophet, the peace and blessings be upon him. Mm-hmm. He also recommended his followers to sleep on the right side. I yeah. should remember you didn't have done a presentation on no, this yeah, 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 yeah. many yeah. years back, still resonates with me. Uh, Number two of course Avoiding technology We just mentioned yeah. Not staying up for pointless I mean, just reasons When
0: you're getting into bed Just put your phone to the put side And just turning it off turning I think off, not, not just
1: Not not just before getting into bed I think about a half an hour <laughs> An hour before You know Getting into yeah. the When you're getting ready for bed You know Definitely Put your phone yeah. to the side Darkness promotes sleep You know we all know um Turning the lights Dimming the lights Can help you make sleep Make you feel sleepy and uh, to keep fit and get active as well, uh, the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that uh, to exercise a strong believer is better than a weak believer. And we also know that the prompt society some would rego- regularly go for walks, problem, and yep. this can also help the quality of sleep you get.
0: Yeah Yeah. I mean, all these things are just tips which can help you sleep better, get a better night, uh, get a better night of sleep, yeah. and be ready for the next day. Be ready for the world ahead. The world is full of challenges. The world is yeah. full of obstacles which we need to face, and there's not just one issue. Uh, but conquering your sleep. And having a better night's sleep will always help uh, get you refreshed for the morning, get you refreshed for the uh, day ahead, uh, whatever challenges you may face. Um, And it's just really, really important to sometimes you just take, get away from, you know, society, just take that step back. Whether that is sleep, whether that is prayer is really, really important to do so to keep you sane, keep you happy at all times. Uh, Just You know Just Getting You know Do physical activities Gets you tired Gets your body tired If you're If you do nothing all day Then that'll slowly Promotes Laziness mm-hmm. Within you And you, you don't want to do that You don't want to avoid that You want to set a routine Set some challenges Set some goals For the end of the month End of the week End of the day To do list mm-hmm. Write down I mean Even our uh, Caliph Hazar um, Ahmed May Allah uh, be help I said that you should Write uh, You know To feel accomplished You should write what you do Every single day At the end of the yeah. day And see what you did To waste time See what you can cut out For the next day To stay active To stay focused To stay ready yeah. And also doing stuff uh, That benefits you um, As much as possible uh, We are getting to The end of the show um, well, It was me Shmail Ahmed uh, Hosting the show With Mabrul Farukh um, just like to acknowledge the producers uh, Khola Hashmi and uh, Navida Khan and the researchers for today's uh, breakfast show was Maria Sheikh Tanzil Khuram and Mehrish Dogar we want to thank uh, all of those people who helped put this show together it's been a, it's been an amazing show we learn we learnt so much we yeah. hope you learn a lot too yeah. the first topic which we spoke about was about You know the first child being born with three DNAs and how what Islam says about that and how that can help the uh, the future help in the future with those people who uh, suffer from mitochondrial disease and those people who suffer from infertility and just helping those people in the society. And in the second part of the show, we spoke about the importance of sleep. It's very very important to make sure that you get your sleep in get your, however many hours you need for sleep, whether it's five, whether it's six. You can't run away from sleep. (laughs) You can't run away from (laughs) sleep. I mean, uh, I know I'm going to be looking forward to my sleep at the end of the day. Um, (laughs) That's about you, my bro. Good night's sleep, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I already
1: (laughs) feel very tired, you know, coming in early morning. (laughs) The breakfast show, the breakfast show. It's
0: always always good to come in on a breakfast show and speak to you and listen to uh, different people and speak to some experts on the show as well. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure Uh, to host your show today. Uh, This was The Breakfast Show on the 2nd of August, Wednesday. It is approaching uh, nine o'clock. We have a couple of seconds left. We want to thank every single person for tuning in. Uh, Please join us again tomorrow and please also join us later today on The Drive Time. Here is the nine o'clock news.